tonight we are concluding our series on the Spirit-Filled Life. Uh, and uh, if you haven't been able to hear all of those different talks over the last few weeks, you can catch up online uh, if you would like to. But tonight we are looking at the unity of the Spirit. And that's really our theme uh, for this whole day and across this service tonight. And just over these next few minutes, I want to talk to you about how together we rise. Together we rise. That's not meant to sound like a political slogan, and uh, forgive me if that is the case, but actually I believe that to be true, and that this is so important today that actually there is strength in unity in so many aspects of our lives, in friendships, in marriages, in family, in communities, in church, in our society at large. And uh, you may or may not be, but uh, some of you may be familiar with the Kenyan proverb, which says, sticks in a bundle are unbreakable. And principally what that's saying is one stick on its own is actually quite easy to break. But actually when you have sticks together, when there's this unity of vision of purpose, this unity of mind. It's unbreakable. United we stand, but divided we fall. There's power in unity. And these last few years and months, and actually even days, have been a roller coaster ride of events to put that truth to the test, but also to demonstrate it. From Brexit to COVID, united in lockdown a number of months ago, united in grief, united in appreciation for our NHS and our key workers. From Brexit to COVID to Black Lives Matter, united in standing up against the injustice and inequality, events surrounding Sarah Everard's death, united around the Euros uh, this time last week, we were united in hope and expectation and then tragically united in defeat for some of us. Uh, depending on who you are supporting, of course, I don't know if there's any Italian fans here. Yes, Madeline, united in victory with you, absolutely. Together we rise or fall on the strength of our unity together. And I think that's why Paul here in this passage, he's urging the church to live lives worthy of the calling that we've received, to live out that which Jesus has made possible for us as he's reconciled us to our heavenly father. We have unity with him and he knows that the strength of the church is directly linked to the strength of its unity. I think that's as true today as it was during the time of Paul writing this letter to the Ephesians principally writing it to both Jews and Gentiles, different people groups, different mindsets, different backgrounds, different traditions. And yet he writes this powerful message of unity to them. And as the church, as Christians, we're called to reflect the unity in God, in the Trinity. As Archie was saying, God is a relational being. We have been created as relational beings. That relationship that exists between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And each one of us, you, me, we're called, we're invited 
to experience God in the intimacy of that relationship, that unity with him and with one another. And in that sense, as the church, we're not actually called so much to build unity, but to keep and maintain the unity that has already been won for us through Jesus on the cross by his Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that brings unity, unity in the church locally, for us as a church here, nationally, as we've been hearing about the network and all of these church plants, and also for the church globally. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know what you think when you come to church, whether you come with friends, whether you come on your own, but just take a moment just to look around, see the faces that are behind you, in front of you. Believe it or not, the Bible teaches us that these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're sons and daughters, as Paul says, of one Lord, with one faith, one baptism, one body. We're one family together. We are united through our relationship with Jesus. And yet unity in the church can be so hard to practice. There are so many opportunities for us to split, to disagree, to only hang out with the people that we want to hang out with, to only agree with the people who have similar opinions to us. But what we see here in this passage that was so amazingly read to us is that actually unity requires two things. If we're to keep and maintain that unity, first it requires great commitment and secondly, great character. First of all, great commitment. Paul urges us in verse 3 to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maintaining unity doesn't always come easily. It takes hard work. We have to be intentional with keeping unity in the church, especially when we don't agree, especially when there are differences amongst us. But that's what makes unity, and especially unity in the church, so, so powerful. And unity does not mean uniformity. Unity doesn't mean we all have to be the same, think the same, say the same. The Holy Spirit brings both unity and diversity. And in that sense, we're called to be a community, a community ref that reflects that vision that we read in Revelation of heaven. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language, every people group coming together, worshiping Jesus. Whatever our background might be, we're called to be a part of this family, leading together, praying together, serving together, encouraging one another together. That is the vision. And in essence, I think that is the desire of our hearts. But so often, it can be harder to put into practice. As I've said, it's easier to hang out with people who are from the same demographic, the same age as us, the same background as us, the same culture, the same socioeconomic status. But my longing for this church is that we are not a cliquey church. 
but we're actually an inclusive church where everybody is welcome. Everybody can find a place to serve and to belong. And I want to encourage you as actually I encourage myself every Sunday. You may think I'm the vicar. It comes easy to you. But actually, let's, let's be bold. Let's step out. Let's meet someone we've never met before. As you look around this room, there'll be people here you think, I don't know who that person is, but we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe afterwards when we're out on the grass, this is an opportunity just to say, oh, hi, I've never met you before. My name's X. I'd love to meet you. Maybe someone who doesn't seem like they're from your kind of crowd. This is what we're called to do as the body of Christ. So often in the church, we can fall out over our theology or our methodology. But we need to remember that what unites us is infinitely greater than what divides us. So often secondary issues theologically can come between us in the church. And it's a work of the enemy. The enemy loves to bring disunity and division. And we have to remember that we have to fight for unity. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. This week, as I've been preparing for this talk, um, as well as praying a lot and reading the Bible a lot, I've been reading this book by a guy called Francis Chan, who's an American pastor. And it's called Until Unity. I'd really, really recommend it. But he says this, he says, If you are willing to let the presence of the Spirit take precedence over exact theological alignment in secondary issues... I believe we will find a much more diverse, beautiful family of believers because it is the family that God has made, not the one that we have chosen. We believe that it's God who builds his church and he wants us as the church to be united together. But we have to recognize as well, we live in a world where there are so many issues, particularly at this time. I was just scrolling through the news earlier on. So many challenges that our world is facing. So much uncertainty. And the truth is, within our beautifully diverse family of the church, there will be differences of opinion. There will be different people to affiliate with. Different political parties. Different social issues that different ones of us will want to stand up for whether that's in, with race and equality, climate change, social distancing. Tomorrow, as these restrictions lift, should we wear masks or shouldn't we wear masks? I saw this uh, headline just yesterday in Sky News. The mask divide, how people are split ahead on the final, of the final lockdown lifting. And what a divided world needs, particularly at this time, is a united church. There's constantly reasons to divide. That's why we first of all need great commitment to unity. Secondly, we need to demonstrate and display great character. In verse 2 in this passage, Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In the church, it's possible for us to divide so easily. And sometimes I wonder if that's because we don't actually love 
deeply. Uh, divisions usually aren't caused by differences in our theology, but actually they're often caused by a lack of relationship, a lack of connection between one another. My wife, Emily, and I, uh, we got married in 1999, and uh, we've been married for 22 years. And I can remember people before we got married, they said, oh, be careful of the first year of marriage. Have we got any newly married people here? Yeah, I know, Josh. And be careful of that first year. It's going to be the hardest year ever. And actually, we had the best year ever. It was the most fun. It was absolutely fantastic. But I've got to be honest, a few subsequent years after that, we ran into a little bit of choppy water. There were definitely some arguments going on. And there was definitely a bit of a bumpy ride ahead. But the truth is, as the years have gone past, those arguments have become less frequent. I would say they've become a lot more tame. And I used to think that was perhaps because we had less differences or less disagreements. And as I was thinking about it in the context of this passage, I thought, actually, that's not the case. But I think what's happened over those 22 years is that in some way our hearts are more connected in some way, our love has become deeper. We've grown in an understanding of how to communicate with one another. Over time, our relationship has deepened. And it's the same in the church. It's the same with one another. We need to grow in love for one another. And of course, that often involves spending time together. It's very hard to grow in relationship with people if we're not spending time together. That's why groups are so important. Uh, Rosie was talking about those earlier. That's why coming to church on Sundays is so important. Uh, yesterday, uh, Emily and I, we met a couple. And they actually go to a different church. But there was this guy, part of this couple, and they were telling us their story. And they just had had such a difficult year. Uh, he'd been struggling with mental illness, he'd had depression, uh, really struggling with work. And then in just the recent torrential downpours, their house had been flooded. And over the difficult, challenging year that he'd had, he'd actually just given up on church and given up attending on a Sunday and to the group that they were a part of. But when their house got flooded, their group that they had been a part of came to the rescue and their church rallied around and what this guy said to us yesterday as we were talking to him is he, he was saying as they unified in serving us in loving us it's restored my faith not only in the church but also in God you see that's the power of unity displayed by the church when it comes together we need to spend time together. And that's why next weekend we've just got this amazing opportunity. Can I encourage you? It's so easy to hear these notices from the front, these announcements and think, oh, yeah, I've got something else going on. And then a few months later we think, oh, why do I feel just slightly detached from the church? This is a moment for us to step in after a year of being isolated, to come together as a church, to celebrate together, to worship together, to have fun together, to go deeper in our relationships together. The Apostle Paul, he encourages the church to bear with one another. That takes humility. That takes this gentleness, this patience. It involves compromise. 
putting others before ourselves, maybe putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes, thinking about somebody else's background or their story or their context. Recently, I heard somebody say a few different pictures about uh, what community and relationship looks like in the church. And uh, there were a few different kind of metaphors and analogies. And one person described community and relationships in the church like mashed potato love. That's what we were supposed to be in the church. Kind of mashed together in some way. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure about that picture really. Because it kind of takes away our individual identity and actually somehow diminishes the sense of diversity that we're supposed to have in the church. And then I heard this other picture about it being a bit like snooker balls. The community of God is like snooker balls. And we, on a Sunday, we come together for our gathering. We come out of our pockets, different colors, different values. And we sort of clatter into one another. And then we sort of knock against one another, go back into our pockets for the rest of the week. And the following Sunday, we do exactly the same thing again. I thought, I'm not sure I like that picture either. And then this third picture that I actually do like is the picture of a honeycomb where actually these hexagonal cells, all individual, surrounded by six other cells, surrounded by more cells that builds up this incredibly sweet and strong structure. That's what we are as the church. Individual, diverse, and yet interconnected. Psalm 133 says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people dwell together in unity. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed that his people may be one as he and the Father are one. So that the world might believe. Our unity is a witness to the world. And you may be sitting here tonight thinking, oh, why do I need to hear all of this about unity? But let's think about those moments where we think, ah, oh, just that person always does that. Or that person always thinks like that. Or I really don't agree with that person. It can be so easy in the church to allow those things to creep in. But let's be a community together that are united around Jesus. Let's be committed to unity. Let's grow in our character to display humility and gentleness and patience and love with one another. Jesus came to this earth to bring unity. He died, he was raised from the dead to reconcile each one of us to our Father in heaven. And today we can be set free, we can be unified with him. And I believe that as the church, we can rise above all of these challenges of racism in our society, of sexism, of elitism, of inequality, and of injustice. If together we can be unified as the church, in Jesus' name, amen.